In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to this week's episode where I have a good friend who's become a great friend, but he is also the editor and founder of Future Money Trends, which is a publication business. And he has come out with a new book and here it is. It is Don't Save for Retirement, a millennial's guide to financial freedom. I know Daniel's been working on this for a while. I actually interviewed him on the podcast two years ago. Hard to believe. But like I said, Daniel's become a great friend and he has been front running the cryptocurrency, the cannabis, the precious metals and other alternative investment world for quite some time on his YouTube channel and very popular website, futuremoneytrends.com. You guys are going to love his perspective on life. And I think you're going to get a lot out of reading his book and hearing the story firsthand. Daniel's an amazing writer, an entrepreneur, and if you're listening to him for the first time, then it is going to be a treat. So without further ado, welcome my friend, Daniel Amaduri. Hey everyone, Patrick here. Listen, most of you know that I wrote a book last year called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, a financial strategy to reignite the American dream. And the book has has sold tens of thousands of copies. We're really excited about it. So for those of you who are new listening and haven't had your chance to pick one up, you guys can actually get it for free. So if you head over to thewealthstandard.com forward slash book, then all you have to do is pay for shipping and you will get your uh, copy for free. So head over to thewealthstandard.com forward slash book. Thanks for the support. So Daniel, thank you for spending the time. I mean, looking at your backdrop, I know it's a sacrifice to look this way at me, <laughs> but thanks so much, man. It's awesome having you back on. You were on, I think about 18 months ago, but it's a pleasure and I'm super excited for your book. Well, thank you for having me on. And I should let the audience know that I have 17 policies, dividend paying, cash flowing, gushing, safe. Actually, I'm dual compounding them too. Uh, but I'm sure we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. They need to learn from Paradigm Life for that. But uh, thanks yeah, so much. 20, we got 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Can we bust out that chart? What do you guys do? It's called True Wealth Concepts or yeah, Truth, Truth Concepts. Concepts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just run through a few of those. We can do that in 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm dual compounding. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Daniel, I've gotten to know you over the years and you've done some incredible work. It was awesome to hear more about your story. I never got into that with you, even though we've had some discussions over the years. But your book, I would say, is well-written, and I like how it opens up your life because I feel that how people come to this opinion or perspective of life, there's a backstory to it. And without that backstory, sometimes it's hard to buy into a person's perspective, especially if it's different than the status quo. And looking at the title of your book, it's totally against what most people believe. And so telling your story and opening yourself up that way was awesome. So would you mind maybe talking through like, 
what was the book about? Like, what was the purpose of it? What message do you want to send? Who is it intended for? Like, maybe start there. Yeah, the book is called Don't Save for Retirement. For your listeners, we've set up a special page, actually, at futuremoneytrends.com slash save. They can read the intro in the first chapter. If they like it, they can buy it. (laughs) There's a link. But I really originally, this book started off, I was in an attorney's office setting up my trust and my will. And I turned to my wife and I was like, we know where the kids are going to go. We know where the money's going to go. And I was like, but what about teaching the kids? What if they get this bad conventional wisdom conditioned into them without mom and dad there who are a fairly strong presence against that and force against that kind of stuff? So we started really kind of brainstorming what we could do. And I was like, hey, how about we write a book? It'll be great for the business. It'll be great for other people who can read it. And it started with no initial audience in the sense that it was really teaching my children, but also keeping in mind millennials and other people who might be saving the conventional means of retirement and what they could do with their money. And then I really wanted to bring in what my wife and I did because I didn't want people to think that, yeah, well, this guy has got an economic sense on his shoulders and all this stuff. Look, the book, the intro starts off in a bankruptcy attorney's office. We were messed up after 2008. I got a job making $10 an hour. My wife was a school teacher. We were just about to have a baby. Things were wrecked. And that's where the book starts. So it starts off how I dug myself out, what it took, not just financially, but a change in my mindset and my change in what is even acceptable. So the book, Don't Save for Retirement, I would say almost it's a cross between my personal story and personal finance. That's an alternative way. It's not Robert Kiyosaki saying, you know, I love Robert Kiyosaki, by the way, but where it's all getting leverage, leverage, leverage. And it's definitely not Dave Ramsey where it's like, no debt, no debt, no debt. It's kind of like, hey, this was my story. This is how I did it. And this is all the things I learned along the way. And one thing that really rings true with what I've learned from Robert Kiyosaki is the poor and middle class speculate. They just do. No matter what they're in, like their retirement vehicles, they're always speculating. The rich preserve and focus on income, which is one of the reasons why I'm so attracted to your company, Paradigm Life, that preservation and income mindset. And of course, the advantage of the rich is they're already rich. However, I learned that if the middle class apply those same principles, they can also be very wealthy. Well, you use some very strategic words in the book. The one that comes to mind is the idea of control. And I've thought a lot lately about just group psychology, a group narrative. And I look at our school system, I look at the workplace, and I think it's programmed into our mind the being told what to do mentality, right? You got to do this, you got to do this. And I'm a superior, therefore do what I say. And these days people are speculating, but they're not even really thinking, right? They're doing what everybody else is doing. And they're just assuming that whoever's telling them to do it is going to give them the results that they want, which of course, there are so many different examples of that not being the case. And what's cool is it taking control and really using your mind to figure out what you want financially is where it starts. And unfortunately, there's these, I would say, traumatic events, difficult events that cause us to have those paradigm shifts. But when you're writing the book, like specifically for your kids, like if they read the book, like what did you want them to get? Like, what was that message? And they closed, I think, the 196th page. And it's like, what is that next thought? That they choose their destiny, that there is no right way or wrong way. Whether they have a job and become great passive income investors, or they have a business and they're investors as well, or they're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, I don't care what they do. I just want them to know that they can do whatever they want to do. It is their life. And so many of us, exactly in line with your question, 
just do what everyone else does. We just follow the crowd. You know, everyone else is going to college. Everyone else is saving for retirement. Everyone else is financing their house for three decades. Everyone else is financing their cars for eight years. Everyone else is buying term because whole life's a scam. I mean, like it's just nonstop, no thinking, no critical thinking. And I really want them to let them know, like, you can do whatever you want. And if you really want freedom, you have to buy your freedom. It's not going to be free. It will require sacrifice and it will require good decision-making that will compound. You're not going to be 18 and financially free, but you could be 25, 30 years old, 35, 40 years old and be financially free as opposed to the alternative plan, which is, hey, just give all your money to Wall Street and we promise you in 30 to 40 years, even though you have no idea what your tax withdrawal rate will be or what the funds will even be at, you'll be able to retire at this magic number that some German politician wanted to win an election. So he upped the other guy by instead of running on 70, he said 65. I mean, I just want people to know that ultimately you choose your destiny. And a lot of us have to be woken up and slapped in the face like, hey, man, what are you doing? You're on autopilot. I'd love to hear your opinion on what are the events that would cause a person to read this information and not necessarily just have it discarded, but actually implemented and used. Because right now we're in this period of time where debt is at all time highs, right? Student loan debt, consumer debt. If you look at household income, right, it's been stagnant for many, many decades. You look at people are not getting ahead. And I know that there's frustration. There's polls, there's headlines that come out all the time about just the frustration that exists in America with people not growing, not getting ahead, which essentially is like kind of the anti-life because people are naturally compelled to grow. Where do you think the pain threshold is until people snap out of it? I hope their pain threshold is not bankruptcy or like me where I was in a bankruptcy attorney's office with my wife crying. I certainly hope their pain threshold doesn't go to a point where they get so angry at their job that maybe they do something that gets them fired or damages their resume for the future. Ultimately, that frustration that Americans are feeling is because they have subscribed to a middle-class lifestyle that is not sustainable. Much like the national story of what our government is doing, our citizens are doing. Now, I can't fix the government, but we can all fix ourselves by making some changes in our own lives. And in the book, I talk about what my wife and I did. We drastically cut spending. Now, did we do it forever? No, but we did it for a year and a half, two years. And even when we weren't drastically in cutting spending mode, we still live very frugally. I always tell people it took many years, but when I achieved that financial independence, net worth millionaire status, not even liquid, but net worth, I was driving a 2003 Nissan Altima. It was a 10-year-old car. I was living in a house at the time when I purchased it, it was about one times our annual income. By the time I was financially independent, the thing was one third of our annual income, but I was still doing that. And again, not permanent. Today, I live in a very nice house. I get to enjoy all the luxuries of those sacrifices that I made. But you have to, at some point in time, say stop. And for most of us, we're, unfortunately, we've subscribed to the unsustainable lifestyle. So you might have a car that's equal to your annual income spread out over eight years. You might have a house that's 10 times your annual income. You might have done a lot of things that have meshed you up. And that's where I actually love the Dave Ramsey personal finance part. Like, hey, start cutting spending. Stop doing all this stupid stuff that's excessive. But what I like to do is I like after I cut the spending is shift the savings of the spending into buying income and really training that brain that everything I buy, I want to see a check either quarterly, annually, monthly. I want money coming in from everything I do. And one of the things I have in my house in the children's schoolroom is 
only buy assets that cash flow. And of course, we're all going to get involved with speculation. Look, I'm the worst. I love microcap investing and venture capitalism, especially here in California. But look, ultimately, 90% of my efforts and my focus is focused on buying income. And I think anyone who's frustrated and who's in that lifestyle of like, trying to keep up with the Joneses, just realize that financing everything in your life and spending every last bit of your paycheck, that is not normal. It may be perceived as normal because that's what everybody else is doing, but it's not. You have to say no. If you're listening to that and that resonates with you, look, it can be done. It's going to take a few years to mop this thing up, but you can be financially independent and either quit your job or work part-time or work full-time because you love what you do. And these are all just amazing points. So in the book, like what direction are you giving to people? What are steps that they can take, right? Starting with whoever that person you were writing to when you were typing out the words of the book and getting them to take that first step, then the next step, then the next step. Like, What are some steps that people can take to go from where they're at and start to circumvent or, or build a bridge over the gap to where they want to be? I like this. The first chapter starts off with just what is wealth? Because a lot of people don't even know what they want. They're just going through the motions of life. They're just killing time while they're here on earth, which is very sad. And so for me, wealth was just the ability to be able to do what I want with my time, to wake up when I'm done sleeping to be free. And so I think that's the first step is really defining what you want. I always tell people, I learned this from James Altucher. He talked about the three things you want people to say at your funeral. What do you want people to say who you are? And then embrace those things. Remind yourself, write it down on a piece of paper and see it every day when you get up. I have daily statements for every single one of my kids and my wife and I. And I like to remind myself that Steve Jobs talked about that, asking yourself every day, am I happy with what I'm about to do right now? And then the next step is if, if you decide to become financially free, you need to see what's the gap. What do I need? How much income do I need to pay for my expenses, my monthly lifestyle? Because ultimately becoming financially independent, in my opinion, and in the book, is to be able to have the multiple sources of income. Instead of having a one or two household income, think about having, how do you get to a 21 household income? And maybe it doesn't pay all the bills. Maybe it just pays the utilities. How good will that feel? It pays all your utilities. Maybe it pays the mortgage or maybe it helps you pay off the, however you want to look at it. How would you like it if every month you went to work and you realized that all your utilities and your mortgage were being paid by passive income? And again, it starts small. So the book talks about the biggest first step is work where you can cut. And for a lot of people, that's moving. That's one of the biggest expenses, whether you're moving to a further area in your county or you're literally moving to like another state or like my wife and I, we moved to a desert community in California. And then the next area is kind of retraining that brain. Instead of just dumping all this money into a 401k, start using these whole life policies to dual compound. Start using different investments that pay an actual dividend, that bring a check into your life. And I think that's the biggest thing I can tell people to really have that mindset of start buying things that make you money. It's interesting. I'll be somewhat open here because first thing you said really resonated. Like most people don't know what they want. I think it goes back to the mindset that we've been I would say programmed or highly influenced to understand, which is being told what we want or being told what to do instead of us recognizing. It sounds so trivial, but us recognizing that we have a choice of what we want. And I had one of my business coaches a while ago and it was like a huge, I had like this meltdown. I didn't even anticipate it, but it was the rocking chair test, right? Where they essentially get you into this state where you 95 years old and you're sitting in a rocking chair and you're describing what life was about. And it was powerful for me. And I really connected with what was important to me. I connected with what I wanted. And it wasn't necessarily a dollar amount, right? It was more about my relationships. It was about the people that I loved as opposed to anything, anything material. But at the same time, those material things allow 
I would say, a magnification of the experiences with the people that you love. But then the second piece is interesting too that you talked about, which is the idea of understanding where you are financially and where you want to be. I mean, I look at what most people obsess with, which is weight and money, because it's measurable. For the same time, how people measure money is really fascinating because it usually has to do with either their income or their bank account. And that's it. But the true measurement of money, which Robert Kiyosaki heavily emphasizes in all of his books, is a financial statement. He has a whole book on how to create a financial statement, which is ultimately the scorecard for where you're currently at, but can also help you objectively measure what you need to do in order to get to where you want. But ultimately, the wealth side of things, I think, is fascinating, Daniel, because in the end, why are really financially successful people so miserable, right? End up committing suicide or getting multiple divorces or alienating children. It's interesting where people have connected wealth with money, but yet in the end, people would trade all of their money for what is truly valuable to them if they really opened up and were vulnerable. And that's where I look at where we're at in our day and age with just society and what's available to us with technology. I mean, it's more possible than ever to live that type of life. But yet the comfort that people have with just what society has told them is success is still bought into, even though people are starting to see that there's a different way of doing things and there's a different lifestyle. Look at this guy and look at this guy and look at this friend. But yet they're still just programmed to do it safe and comfortable. So how did you break out of that? Or where have you maybe talked about in the book how you have written, whether it's your newsletter or your YouTube channel, like getting people to snap out of it and really believe in what is possible? I would say that what you just touched on, first thing I thought of was the millennials. The millennials are trying to apply the baby boomer life plan to a totally different economy. And then they're suffering and complaining about it. By the way, guys, I just got rid of my car in May. But you know why? Because I Uber everywhere and I go for nice long walks or I get on a jump on a Lime scooter and I go as far as I want. I don't have to go back to a parking lot. I just flip out my phone and five minutes later, I'm back at the house. You can start a website for $10 if you're a millennial, a business for $10. You can freelance anything, sell your skills. You can work from home. You can monetize your own job. I mean, there's so many things you can do as a millennial if you embrace all these gifts and these things that the world has uh, given us. I just ordered lunch and I was like, I just wanted to order some Thai food. So I went on to Grubhub. But a lot of people are trying to do the same thing with their investments and their investment mindset. And look, guys, the baby boomers had the best bond market, best real estate market, best stock market. And according to Vanguard, the median account for 65 and older, this is shocking, is only 58,000. If that experiment didn't work for them, and by the way, for most people, 401ks have only been around since the 80s. Yes, they passed them in the 70s, but 80s for all intents and purposes implementation. But a lot of people think the 401k was with Adam and Eve, and they came out and they had their employer match. So a lot of this stuff is new. It didn't work, and that's okay. Some of the, the intentions were probably good, but what does work? What's been around for hundreds of years, thousands of years when it comes to passive income and the way the rich invest? So I look at the frustrations of people that it's a lot of times it's because they're adopting and applying these rituals. I was just in Africa and I was with the Maasai and I was asking the guy, what's your goal in life? And he was like, I need more cows. And I was like, wow. I was like, you guys clean our rooms and you see the bathrooms and the mattress. You don't want a mattress in your house. The houses are made of cow crap. And I was like, you don't want like a toilet. He's like, no, the elders say that's not the Maasai way. And I'm like, Tradition can kill. And just like it's doing to the Maasai, it's doing to the millennials here in America and all around the world because they are in the tradition of something that hasn't even been around that long. 
uh, especially when you apply the way conventional finance has been applied for people. Well, here's what's fascinating in what you just said is the root of the word capital, like capitalism, comes from cattle. Hmm. And the nature of capitalism isn't the cattle itself. That's not capital. The capital comes from the derivative use of cattle, okay? How people figured out to use a cow for not just milk, not just meat, but leather, for instance. And I look at the world of immense resources and people look at value in a piece of land or the property. That's not where the value is. The value is our ability to take our mind and actually make use of that in a variety of different ways. Look at what we live amongst every single day whether it's Grubhub, whether it's the Lime Scooters, whether, I mean, these are essentially resources that people figured out how to look at some friction or some frustration and get a solution to it, right? And that's all around us, but yet not understanding the fundamentals and subscribing to the status quo doesn't open your mind up to what those possibilities are. And that's why millennials don't like capitalism, right? It's because everybody else is coming up with ideas and they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. They may have been conditioned to believe that they want socialism. When you look at every aspect of their life, they love the efficiency of capitalism. Totally. It's an amazing world we live in and it's evolving so quickly. And it's awesome that there are more books like this coming out that are reinforcing not just like talking points, but they're reinforcing principles that have been around for a long time, but also ways in which you can capitalize on the current environment to achieve the outcome that I would assume most people want. Yeah. And the book, I provided the links of the different companies I invest with. Obviously, your company's mentioned in there when it comes to my whole life policies. And I didn't hold anything back. I put it out there. And the same thing goes with my letter at futuremoneytrends.com. If I'm investing in it or writing a check, it's in there. If not, it's not in there at all. Well, Daniel, how can our listeners are listening for the first time? Obviously, we'll post the previous interview that you and I did, I think it was about 18 months ago in the show notes. But what are some other ways in which our listeners can follow you, learn about what you're up to, learn about future money trends, some of the video stuff that you're doing online? Why don't you throw those out there? I would love for them to go to futuremoneytrends.com slash save. They get the weekly well digest free. It shares a lot of the different stories and things that my wife and I went through and did to become financially independent, as well as some stuff that I teach my children as well as any investment, passive income, or speculative that I'm actively involved in. And then, of course, that you get to also read the uh, first chapter of the book. So futuremoneytrends.com slash save. Well, Daniel, like always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for taking the time. And hopefully we get to do a follow-up soon. Yeah, I hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website thewealthstandard.com for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.